making our way out the sanctuary, you can turn to your, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. I am used to be, uh, I'm used to walking out at this moment. So if I do anything that is off, you just, you know, you give me the signal, all right? You just let me know. <laughs> oh, okay, no, <laughs> it's already, it's already begun. All right, we'll be in Matthew chapter 5. Uh, I think we've, if I'm not mistaken, we're supposed to be working through the Sermon on the Mount. We've taken some breaks here and there, right, going place to place, but we'll be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 10 through 12. We'll be finished in the Beatitudes tonight. And uh, I'm going to read the text for us, and I'll, I'll pray, and, and, we'll, and then we'll dive in. Starting... Let's start in um, verse 1. Seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. When he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. Let's pray one more time before we dive in. God, we come to you, for you are the blessed one. And we pray, Father, that you would bless us tonight. We are thankful, Father, for the gift of your word. For it has told us it is living and active. And we pray, Father, tonight that it would divide between soul and spirit, that it would bring us, Father, to conviction through the power of your Holy Spirit, and also, Lord, it would bring us to encouragement to place our faith once more in Jesus Christ, for he is good and he is worthy. Help us, Lord, to be obedient to your word so that we may count ourselves as blessed. We pray all these things in the matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Um, I'm going to um, open with a long quote, so bear with me. It's a long quote from a pastor named, uh, a former pastor named John Piper. He gave this uh, quote at a conference called Together for the Gospel in, in 2008. You can go on and listen to this uh, talk. It's called, The Supremacy of Christ Creates Radical Sacrifice. I highly recommend it. I've listened to it maybe 50 times, maybe 30, I can't remember the supremacy of Christ creates radical sacrifice. Uh, to, to my defense, I used to work outside, and so I would just listen to it, things over and over again you know, on repeat. But uh, it's, it's, it's a, I highly recommend to listen. It's a lengthy quote, so I, I pray that you track with me as I read it, as I think it will help us understand uh, tonight's text in verses 10 through 12. He begins with this. He says, My desire and prayer for you is that your life and ministry have a radical flavor. I say that for the glory of Christ, the world 
does not glorify Jesus as their supreme treasure because of our health, wealth, and prosperity. Those are the same treasures they live for. The fact that we use Jesus to get what they want makes it clear to them that they have the same treasure as that we have the same treasure as they do, and it is not Jesus. They aren't impressed. He's just the ticket. And tickets are thrown away when the show begins. They don't need your ticket. They aren't impressed. I'm saying what I'm saying because I want them to be impressed, and they are, not imp- they are not impressed with us. Prosperous, wealthy, safe, and doing what everyone else is doing. What the world is waiting to see, what might awaken a sense of Christ's value, is something radical, something risky, some crazy sacrifice, some extraordinary love, something salty and bright. They may not like it when they see it. They may crucify it, but they will not be bored. Stephen's face shone like an angel. His wisdom was irresistible, so they killed him. But they did not yawn. They did not go to sleep. In Acts 8, it makes it clear his death was not in vain. It's a lengthy quote. I'm going to keep reading. My desire and prayer for you is that your life and ministry have a radical flavor, the flavor of risk, sacrifice, love, simplicity, joy, freedom, and precarious adventure. And then he quotes a little book called Sacrifice. He says, where are the young men and women of this generation who will hold their lives cheap and faithful unto death and who will lose their lives for Christ, flinging them away for love of him? Where are those who will live dangerously and be reckless in his service? Where are the men of prayer? Where are the men and women who count God's word of more importance to them than their daily food? Where are the men who, like Moses of old, commune with God face to face as a man speaks with his friend? Where are God's men and women in this day of God's power? Indeed, where are the pastors who say with the Apostle Paul, I do not count my life of any value nor precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. Where are the pastors who say with Joab to his brother Abishai, when surrounded by Syrians and Ammonites, be of good courage, let's play the man for our people and for the cities of our God, and may the Lord do what seems good to him. And this is how he closes. Where are the young women, single and married, who say with Esther, when the life of her people hung in the balance, and Mordecai asked her to risk her life, she says, I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. This is a quote from that talk. Uh, The supremacy of Christ creates radical sacrifice. And I believe this is the underlining tone of tonight's verses when Jesus tells us, blessed are those who, when others revile you and persecute you. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Martin Lloyd-Jones, in his studies on the Sermon on the Mount, says the Beatitudes have three general principles to all of them. And we're going to kind of work through this text with these principles. One, all Christians are to be like this. This is a principle for all the Beatitudes. The poor in spirit, those who mourn and meek, this should be applied to all Christians, which is the second point, this general principle. All Christians are meant to manifest all of these characteristics. And so we'll take those together. And then the third principle he gives us 
none of these descriptions in the Beatitudes, uh, none of these descriptions refers to what we may call a natural tendency. They are supernatural. So let's take these first two. All Christians are to be like this and are meant to manifest all of these characteristics. I think he says all these characteristics with the application because we have a tendency with things. I think uh, Pastor Daniel said it a couple weeks ago with the fruits of the Spirit. We can often write, say, well, I'm doing good with joy, but maybe not with faithfulness. It's like, no, the fruits of the Spirit are, are all the fruits are supposed to be characteristics of us, not in part. And same with these uh, blessings that Christ has given us. These should be descriptive of all Christians. And so here, this one, I think is the one that gives Christians in America the most trouble. We understand, we can understand blessed be poor in spirit, right? My neediness for Jesus. Blessed those who mourn after their sin. Blessed those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We understand these things generally, that these are things that Christians are just to be going after. But when it comes to persecution, I think our natural tendency says, well, if it comes, it comes. That's not something that's in my hands. And yet, it is written with the rest of them also. These are, and here, let's go to a couple of texts to help us with this. We are to expect persecution for righteousness' sake. We are to be reviled and persecuted and have all kinds of evil uttered against us. Because Acts 14.22 says, Strengthening the souls of the disciples, this is Paul, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. We must. It will be through many tribulations that we enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 15, 18 through 20. Jesus Christ says this on the night he was betrayed. He says, if the world hates you, Know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. The world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his masters. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. Did they persecute Jesus? Yes. Have you been united with Jesus? And if we're doing math here, the equal sign must be then what? We will be persecuted if we have been united with Jesus. And if you're anything like me, exception clauses keep coming up in my mind. Why? The scripture seems to be very clear. If they persecuted him, they will persecute you. You should expect persecution, hatred, and hateful speech against you. In fact, the Bible paints a picture that if a Christian does not experience this, they are odd. Something is off with them. And I believe scripture like Matthew chapter 5, 10 through 12 is given. So if these things are not happening in our lives, 
we would examine our lives to see if we are truly being faithful to Jesus the way the Bible is calling us to. I think, and I understand what I'm saying, but this is a difficult passage. I think the Lord Jesus is challenging his disciples in this passage because Matthew especially is written to a Jewish audience and they would have had a Jewish mind for a Messiah, a physical king who came to rule and to reign, to conquer Rome. So why? They can have peace and comfort. Blessed, blessed, blessed. That would have been good for his disciples to hear. Bless you, if you're persecuted, that would have been, huh? And I think if we were that, huh? What? We are aligning ourselves with what the disciples would have felt and thought when they heard these words as well. And yet that does not make them less true. We should expect persecution if we are being faithful to Jesus Christ. The third principle that uh, Dr. Jones offers is that with these descriptions does not refer to what we call natural tendencies. They are supernatural, right? It's all the Beatitudes. This is in our natural state, in our flesh, we are not born poor in spirit. We're born rich in spirit. We have all that we need. We are not born mourning our sin. We are born rejoicing in our sin, happy and glad in it. In and of ourselves, we cannot do these things. We cannot endure persecutions in ourselves. We cannot remain faithful to persecutions in ourselves. But it's actually, it's literally impossible because he says there in verse 11, Blessed are you and others who value and persecute you under all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. If we are not in Christ Jesus, when we are having terrible things uttered against us, it's because of me. <laughs> in my natural, I'm a jerk, and therefore people are uttering evil things against me. That's just, that's just natural, right? But falsely, on the account of Jesus Christ, can only happen supernaturally, through a, through a work of the Holy Spirit that helps us to bring us to repentance of our sin and unites us to Jesus Christ. It is impossible to experience these things on the account of Christ without Christ. This blessing is given only if we have been united with Jesus. Because in our natural state, we belong to the world. Isn't that what he says in John, right? We read earlier, the world would love you if you belong to it, but I've called you out of it. Why? And now they will hate you because you don't belong to the world anymore. But in our natural state, we belong to the world. We were born hating God. We have always hated God until what? He saved us. He snatched us out. And how did he do this? He did it through the hate of the world. When he is on the cross, why is he on the cross? Because the world hated him. The world has always hated God, and it was ultimately manifested at the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus died on the cross because in our natural state, we hate him. But Christ, in his natural state, loves us. 
And he was willing to endure hate, persecution, and death for the sake of us and for the glory of God. Now, we can count persecution, we count it as a blessing, not simply because of the cross of Christ, but primarily because of his resurrection. In his resurrection, the cross is deemed worth it. He has not only paid for our sins, but he is in glory, ruling and reigning, and one day we will be with him. And so we can look at these verses and understand how they can be true, because in our natural state, how could it be possible to have people utter false claims to hate us, to be beaten, to be mocked, to be ridiculed, to be killed and say, blessed? Because we look to our Savior, who was ridiculed, who was mocked, who was spit on, who was beaten and killed, and now, where is he? He is in heaven on his throne. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to him, and he is blessed. And friends, we also can be blessed if we walk in the same manner in which he walked, if we could place our faith fully and completely in our Savior, Jesus Christ, he says, you will endure persecutions. You will endure hatred and harm for my namesake. But don't worry. You are blessed if you are experiencing these things. Which in our, this is our last part of this text that we will cover. We are to not only endure persecution not only endure harm and hatred for the name of Christ and for his cause, the text tells us what? We are to rejoice and be glad in it. That is what I think John Piper was trying to get at in his talk. It's not just simply that we endure these things. People will experience terrible things in this world, and they are not, they are not united to Jesus. What makes Christians different is when the apostles preached the name of Christ, they were beaten, and when they were thrown out, they started dancing. They started singing for joy. That is salty. That is light to a world. And do our lives look like Jesus Christ, that he is not living for a kingdom here, but he is living for a kingdom that's there waiting for us. Our thoughts, our time, our energy, our comforts. When we lose things, when terrible things happen to us, do we grumble and complain? If we do, we're telling the world, my kingdom is here. But when we can grieve with hope, we show the world something they cannot make sense of. Obviously, we're not living to impress the world. So when he says, I want them to be impressed, what he means is I, we want to be the aroma of Christ to them. And if they're being saved, we are the aroma of life. But to those who are perishing, we are the aroma of death. We want to be strange to the world. 
are we living a life that looks strange to our neighbors, to our coworkers? Why do they do the things they do? And when they're ridiculed, when they're mocked, when they're persecuted, they rejoice. They can have a smile on their face. That is strange. That is odd. Because we know something that they don't. We are blessed because of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We are to rejoice and be glad. That is something the world is waiting to see. I don't know who's teaching the next section, salt and light, but I, I think that's what it means. What does it mean to be salt and light? I think they flow together. How can we light in this world of darkness when we endure suffering and we are, can rejoice and be glad? That will stand out to our world. That is how, that is one of the many ways the world will look and say, I want that. I want what they have. And we can, with glad hearts, tell them, you can have it. It is free. Come and drink from the living water without price. And if you have the Holy Spirit in you, friends, it is something that we are all capable of doing. And we should set our gaze to Calvary like Jesus Christ. Take up your cross and follow him. Rejoice and be glad. For Friends, we have a good reward waiting for us. Friends, we have a good reward waiting for us. And his name is Jesus. And we will spend eternity walking with him. And we will look back on our persecutions and say, worth it. It was worth it. And if I could go back, I would give up more for his namesake. Let's pray to that end that he would send us his spirit. That we could walk the way he walked. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We are thankful for Jesus Christ, for he is greater, greater than anything this world can offer. Oh, Lord, help us to have faith in these truths, these promises that you have given us in your word, that Christ is worth it, that we can count ourselves blessed when we face trials, tribulations, but even more so, Lord, persecutions and hatred from people around us. Oh Lord, may we live a lives, live lives boldly that invites persecution. That we may testify to those around us, you are supreme and that you are worth it. We pray all this in the matchless name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen.